0: Welcome to the War Nomads podcast, delivered by War Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. It's not your usual travel podcast, it's everything for the adventurous, independent traveler.
1: Thank- Thank you for tuning in to our latest podcast in which we will explore women in travel. But, Phil, I've got to ask you, why does such a category exist as part of World Nomads?
2: Oh, look, you know, we're, uh, we're a brand that believes in, uh, you know, responsible travel and ethical travel. And we also believe in, you know, equality and equity. And I think as we find out a little bit later on in this podcast episode as well, that the figures about uh, the position of women in the travel and hospitality industry, pretty bad. So, you know, it's just something that we all have to get together and try and address it.
1: But we're not saying that we don't care about men.
2: Oh, no, absolutely not. But we care about everybody, don't we? And we care care about fairness, don't we?
1: Nicely put. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, I've done a bunch of interviews for this episode, exploring women in travel, from chatting to the editor of the first feminist travel magazine in the market, to exploring female travel as a Muslim, which is... On the rise. Yep. Yep. Uh, travel safety and a look at how things have changed for women over the decades. And as you suggest, it's not all necessarily good news. But you do kick off this episode with a chat you had at a conference in Edinburgh.
2: Yes, I know, a very funny, middle-aged, grey-haired man speaking about women and travel. <laughs> but I'm a feminist too, okay? Look, I spoke to Stephanie and she's one of the drivers behind With Women in Travel and Hospitality. It's a network open to all women who work in these industries, obviously which Stephanie says are very heavily male-dominated, especially at the top.
3: So despite the fact that it's an industry that's one of the the largest employers of women in the world, at that top level it's very, very heavily male-dominated, which is also fascinating because when you look at, um, you know, there's various statistics out there about who makes the purchasing decisions in travel, and they are overwhelmingly female. So mm. it's it's strange that we have so female so few females in decision making positions.
2: So what's gone wrong? Why is it ended up that way, do you know?
3: I mean, I think the thing is it's not it's not a problem that's unique to the travel industry. Um, it's it's pretty symbiotic of, of you know most industries or a lot of industries at least in society. Um, but there are quite a few things that are unique to travel um, that perhaps yeah exacerbate the problem um for example um even though we're all of course extremely highly educated um you know it does travel can attract people who um you know it doesn't, it doesn't you don't have to be like a rocket scientist or you don't have to have a medical degree etc um and so it it has Attracted a, a large sort of number of a, a, in developing countries, etc., where um, you know females maybe don't have the same access to education, um, so that's one of the reasons that you see women lower levels um, areas of the business. There are also some fairly interesting gender stereotypes out there. Um, I read one report, I forget where it was from, but I can tell you, I'll look it up, um, that that the, uh, surveyed some you know managers from from hotels, etc who uh, stated that they'd rather have women in housekeeping positions than men because they say women do it at home all day, so I trust they'll do a better job. Um, So that skews it a bit as well. Probably, though, one of the main factors is, you know, you look around a conference like WISTIC here in Edinburgh and you see there are a lot of women, um, and a lot of women are are on that path and they're on that trajectory. Um, But like most industries, there's really not that many senior-level flexible positions. So once you move into a primary caregiver, you know, domestic uh, role, uh, if you want to come back part-time you know the, the, and as i say this is typical of all industries not just our industry and um, you'll probably be working well below your skill level uh because it's full time or or yeah. yeah
2: and uh just just thinking the uh the man i assume who made that comment about that's probably the last time his house ever got cleaned by. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, how so. Or it got cleaned in a dubious way, and things yeah. were left places. No, but uh, no. All right.
2: So so. You're part of a group of women who are trying to do something about this.
3: Yeah, so, um, and, and the great thing is about this project is that there is an overwhelming uh, amount of support for it. So, it actually uh, began with uh, Anne Dolan from Clink Hostels, um, Marie Louise Henny from Hans Brinker, um, and also Kim Whitaker from Once Hostels in South Africa. Uh, and we were, you know, sitting around and talking about. The fact that you know, often when we went to conferences, and and not so much with stick because they work really hard to address it, but a lot of the other conferences, um, you know, you just typically see middle-aged white guys on the panels, and you don't really hear a lot from women. And we started questioning why that was, uh, and then you know, we dug a little bit deeper into the lack of females in senior-level positions. And so we went away, we we asked people, we also organised a breakfast in Dublin earlier this year where we had people share their thoughts, we did some research, and and we discovered that there is a few pillars that we can work on that can help make the difference. Um, For example, a lot of research shows that women don't naturally make mentoring relationships as easily as men do, so they have to be sort of more um, constructed, I guess. Um, Also, again... uh, this is, this is general uh, yeah. not, and not specific to tourism, yeah. but women don't tend to network as easily as men do, so they need maybe a bit more help networking. Um, but also a big one uh, comes down to the fact that often women won't advocate for themselves. Um, and when you, when you ask women, you know, well, well why didn't you get a promotion or, or why didn't you ask for more money, quite often they'll say, uh, because my work will speak for itself. Um, but, if you 're working in a busy organization, maybe you know not everybody 's noticing everything everyone 's doing all the time. whereas again it 's very general, but on on a general level, men are more likely to put themselves forward and say, "I deserve this and negotiate for themselves and, and push for themselves so there 's a certain element of that there too, so we realize that maybe something we can do to help is uh, to, yeah, get women together to share ideas, to help them to negotiate for themselves, to do a bit of personal branding, etc as well.
2: And how do you think that might transfer to, I don't know, we're talking about management positions there, but the, that 70% of, um, you know, women at the lower level, what would what can you advise them? What should, they should start networking, they should start forming groups?
3: Yeah, I mean, they should start networking. Um, they should also, where possible, I mean, they should be looking out for potential mentors even if it's not a formal like we meet once a week we discuss this etc but mentors can do a lot more than just um than than giving advice they can also sponsor people in a way and so if the women who have managed to make it into those top levels can start looking out and helping and developing the women below them and and you know advocating for them etc that can that can make a big part so i would say Yes, work hard, of course, um, but you know, also also look for those female role models where they are. Um, you know, use use networking opportunities and and, and find people who are, who are going to give you great advice to, you know, jump into those those next steps.
1: Thanks for that, Stephanie, who just mentioned the importance of networking. This is a great opportunity. My next chat is Beth from the Women in Travel Summit. It's a premier event for women travel influencers and industry members, and it's organised by Wonderful. Keep an ear out for a cameo from Beth's 20-month-old Nora.
4: Yeah, so the Women in Travel Summit is our take on uh, really a way to connect travel bloggers, influencers, and industry together in one room and to talk about where is the travel industry evolving? How can we grow as we are people with our ears on the ground to what's happening in the travel space and really the closest to the consumer? And so we'll talk a lot about trends. We'll talk a lot about how we can grow um, our own following and become better at what we do and really help to push the travel industry forward. It's all women, um, whether you're on the influencer side or the industry side. And so I think there's also a, an element of just supporting our sisterhood of of women who who love to travel and want to support each other in their pursuit. So it started out as really just a travel blogger event, and now we're in year six, and it's grown to really a top level event for um, all sorts of people who are creating change in the travel industry to get together and learn from each other.
1: Well, we'll find out just how far the travel industry has come later in the podcast when we chat to Betty, who's 73, and she started off working for Northwest Airlines and then Pan Am, and she's still in the travel industry. So we'll be able to get a really great snapshot of just how far uh, we've come. Also, um, Um, later in the episode, Beth is, um, glory from Muslim travel rocks. And I found her on your site as one of your guests from last year. And just looking at your lineup, you procure some of the most amazing women speakers. How do you do that?
4: You know, I think it's, it really has to do with our community and the fact that we are regularly very, very much looking for people who are, Giving new voices to the space. I think the travel industry, as, as, as you were just saying, it's been around for a long time. It's, it's changed a lot. I think from Wonderful, what we've seen is a real growth in the women's travel space, and especially in women's solo travel. And so I think we really rely on our community to tell us what is new, what is different, whose voices need to be amplified and, and maybe haven't even gotten um, the coverage that they deserve in the past. And so we have an open um, speaker application process that we really, um, uh, Rely on a lot and certainly do our own research as well. But I think, um, it's, it's been a really great testament to how much of a need, um, uh, our own community has seen because they have found, um, some really amazing talent out there. And we were so honored to have Glory with us. She was paving the way, um, in talking about Muslim travel and, and especially about things that, um, that women should be considering all around the world um, when they're traveling. And so it was really great to have her. She joined us for a a really important panel, um, that we had about some of those less represented, um, communities in travel and how they're evolving.
1: I love it. That's, that's, um, Beth's daughter, Nora, in the background, having her say on women in travel.
4: Have you, (laughs) yes we live the full mompreneur life over here and uh, we just picked her up from daycare and she's having her way about what snack she wants to have this afternoon so it's real life Beth over here
1: (laughs) that's fabulous so the the conference in 2019 what can um attendees expect
4: well there's there's some really neat things that are happening that we've always done and then there's also some new stuff. The first thing I'll tell you about uh, what you can always expect at Wits and that is four tracks of information that happen simultaneously. Those tracks are media, entrepreneurship and business, trending and travel. And then one that's new, and it's called Industry Insights, and really talking from the perspective of the industry members what they should see in the road ahead. So that's what you're going to get when you come to WITS. We also do Blogger 101 Day um, at the beginning of the event for anyone who's new in the influencer space and wants to get just kind of that quick Um, tutorial of, of how to start from people who have been there. And then we'll get two great keynote speakers that'll come and give presentations. Now, let me tell you about what's new. Actually, very recently we just announced that we are now also running um, an award ceremony called the Bessie Award. And that award is named after Bessie Coleman, who was the first African American woman to hold a pilot's license. And we're honoring the voices of women in travel, both on the industry side and the influencer side, and some of the work that they've accomplished over the last year. So that event will be happening at the end of the summit. Um, and it'll be a great opportunity for us to Come together as a community and honor the, the voices that have been really paving that way for us and so we're so excited um, just announced it in, in the last couple of days and uh, can't wait for it to happen
1: now I, I asked this question at the top of the podcast why it, well, it was specifically about world nomads why we have a category called women in travel and not men in travel so, so why do you think it is necessary to have a focus on women in travel
4: You know, it's funny. um, When I talk about wonderful, I often talk about our community of women travelers. And so many times I'm faced with this response of, oh, women in travel, that's such an interesting niche, or, oh, that's that's a cute, you know, segment of the travel industry to focus on. And what I don't think people quite realize is actually how massive it is the women's travel ecosystem is. Two out of every three travelers nowadays are female. In the U.S., um, uh, women make 80% of the travel decisions. But despite the fact that we are huge in terms of our um, use of travel, our, our activity with travel, our impact in travel, our, it is perceived by the larger industry and by the general public that we're actually a very small subsegment of it. And so I think because of that, there's a real lack of representation of women, especially in senior leadership roles. Um, there's a lot that I think the travel industry still needs to do to become um, not only safe for women but also inclusive of women and 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 women and people who identify in different um, ways. And so I think there is there's a lot that still needs to be done. And I think having a community of people who have had those experiences before who can now help each other just navigate whether it's their professional careers or the simple experience of how being a woman around the world is different wherever we go. Um, That's really what we're trying to achieve here.
1: Now, if you'd like to go along to that, visit that's witsummit.com, that's w i t summit.com for details and tickets. Now, as Beth pointed out there in summary, two out of three travellers nowadays are female. Beth said in the US, women make up 80% of the travel decisions, but the impact of women in travel is perceived as a very small sub-segment of it. This is 2019, so to find out what it was like decades ago, Betty is here to provide a perspective and you might want to sit down for this
5: well it began a long long time ago um when the pterodactyls were flying before airlines i believe (laughs) i was born in 1945 (laughs) which is a long time ago in um detroit and then i moved to elmhurst illinois when i was a little girl um middle class jewish family very protected wasn't allowed to cross the big road um couldn't work when i was in high school because young jewish girls didn't do that it was improper so I think I rebelled, I think um, I've wanted to travel ever since I was a kid and my parents thought I was crazy, They, they this did not relate to the lifestyle they had and I told them I was going to travel all over the world and they said I better marry a rich man <laughs> <laughs> and I told them that wasn't necessary, I was going to do it myself and they laughed because they didn't have money for me to go to college. So, um, basically, life went on, and I found out I had to work, and I didn't like what I was doing, and um, there was an ad in the paper from Northwest Airlines hiring women at O'Hare Field in Chicago, and it was extraordinary because it was a man's world back then, completely uh, especially in the travel industry and what had happened was, was the government had gotten uh, after them um, because of discrimination suits that were just starting and they were forcing them to hire women so 500 women applied wow because <laughs> everybody thought it'd be fun yeah yeah and basically it was a um well I don't I'll be humble but I won't be it, it was based on sex appeal and beauty and back then when you're young everybody has that so I was one of five chosen and what i didn't realize is we were doomed for failure they did it just to satisfy the government and they were going to get rid of us so they started with um first of all chicago in the winter's nasty so they had us working ticket counter um wearing high heels and throwing duffel bags from the naval air base across to the baggage claim area That destroyed our backs, but we had to wear high heels because it was sexy. Um, Then if we wanted to ramp airplanes, working at the gates, which then was wide open, there was no security, um, we didn't have coats, and we were ramping airplanes in the freezing cold. And I asked them when we're going to get our coats, and they they just laughed. So (laughs) they wanted to get rid of me. (laughs) Most everybody quit. Most everybody quit. Well, then we got to the point where um, the station manager decided he wanted to play. And I wasn't interested in playing. And my parents were um, on standby tickets in, where were they, Hong Kong. And he told me basically, uh, I don't know how free I am to talk, but put out or your parents will never get home. (laughs) Yeah, so I threw beer in his face at a company picnic and told him, too bad, and he, told me quit or else, and so I decided to quit. And at that point, I was devastated because I loved working at the airport. It was probably my most fun job I ever had. So um, I had a choice. I was approached by an attorney um, with a discrimination suit. It probably would have been one of the very first ones in this country, and I probably would have owned Northwest Airlines. But I wanted to pursue my career, and I had a great opportunity from Pan Am, which was the Holy Grail, and I chose to pursue my career rather than Sue Northwest Airlines. And that opened up a whole new world to me. I had no idea when they hired me that we had travel benefits, which is pretty naive. I had no clue. Um, I, I, I knew we had some, but not like we had. I mean, we had passes to go anywhere in the world. So I abused my passes and I wanted to go as far and wide as I could. And I wanted to go to places that were culturally totally diverse from what I was raised in. I worked for four years for them until I decided to become a mom and I traveled far and wide places like Afghanistan that was my first choice because I had no idea what it was like um so back then there were no there was no internet of course and no books except uh, there was one book on Afghanistan that was completely wrong anyway so I took my husband and I when we went over there and that's where I discovered everybody wasn't like me and the women were wearing what they called Shadris, which we think of burqa today and um well <laughs> That was my first experience with foreign, and I wanted to blend into it. I I never really thought about being a woman traveling. I was with my husband, of course, which buffered me. Um, but the first clue came when um, we were up in mazar sharif Afghanistan, up in the north, we collected Oriental rugs, and one of the rug dealers offered to buy me for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And when... When we eventually got a divorce, he said, I should have sold you in (laughs) Mazari (laughs) Sharif. Also, during those times, blonde women that worked for Pan Am were being sold into white slavery in Istanbul. And um, it was a whole different world back then, but I just loved
1: it. Well, tell me about that. White women were being sold into slavery, literally.
5: Yeah, literally. Um, the stewardesses, I wasn't a stewardess with Pan Am, by the way. I was in reservations. But, um, yeah, there was a big market for blonde women in the Middle East. So the flight attendants were disappearing. So <laughs> they were disappearing. I mean, there was there was traffic. But things have changed, you know. Now, now that I look back in retrospect, it just gives me chills when I see women flying airplanes, jet captains. The first time I saw that, I mean, I just wanted to hug her, (laughs) you know, compared to the little girl from Northwest Airlines at O'Hare Field in Chicago, you know, who was barely allowed to ramp an airplane or haul a bag. And now look what women are doing.
1: So from a conservative, you know, Jewish background, what were your parents thinking as you were blazing this trail?
5: Um, At first they were amused. Um, They couldn't believe it. Then they got travel benefits. So, um, I created monsters. I found out what I came from. They, they went all over the world. And when I wanted to retire from Pan Am and have a child, they said, Oh, no, no, please give us another year or two. <laughs> so it's exposure. It's having the ability. It's a privilege. I've, I've just been very, very fortunate because I've had these, these opportunities. Most people never have them. It's made me who I am today. But our background is interesting. We're part Romanian, so maybe I have some gypsy background. I don't know. I've
1: used the term trailblazer, you know, reflecting on your life so far. Do you
6: believe that you are?
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah, I have a mission. Um, I never really knew it. My mission was purely selfish when I first started out. I just wanted, if it was there, I wanted to go see it. Um, Now, yeah, it's a giving back. It, it's my giving backstage and trailblazer in that I want other people to be trailblazers. I, I want them to feel what I felt. I want them to see and I want mostly, you know, I, there's this prejudice. It's not only um, women against men, but prejudice is differences. And um, I love the, the um, horizons that have been opened to me and it's created more of an open mind. Than people who don't who don't travel. You've heard the expression: "Those who don't travel, it's like reading a book and you've only one read one page." Yeah, um, exposure's everything, and I'm I'm just honored to be able to help people become exposed.
1: Betty still works in the travel industry, curating packages designed for senior adventurers. She's just taken a group of women on safari in Kenya and to Qatar, which is the first time uh, this particular group of women had been to the Middle East, and. Thanks to Elise from Unearthed Women, who we will chat to later in the episode, for putting me in touch with Betty. It would have been the perfect segue into our chat with Glory from Muslim Travel Rocks, but sadly Glory's been unwell and she's also had illness in her family, so we couldn't chat as planned and we wish her well. But a 2018 report from Crescent Rating, the Halal Travel Frontier 2018, highlighted the travel trends in the halal travel industry and one of the top trends included the continued rise of female Muslim millennial travellers. Shamilka Rashid is a writer for Crescent Rating and she says destinations and service providers alike are being encouraged to identify the needs and concerns of the Muslim female travel market when creating travel products and services. So I think it's worth exploring this trend in future episodes i've mentioned elise she's the publisher and co-founder of unearth women it is a digital and hard copy magazine which i love focusing solely on women in travel so elise why did you see
6: a need for this publication sure um so women making up more than 70 percent of the travel consumer base and 85% of all travel purchasing decisions, but most of travel publications are founded, edited, contributed to by by men. And so it's a very male centric um, sort of sphere and universe. Sexism in the travel industry is compounded by widespread lack of diversity and inclusivity, like particularly for minority women. Um, so we saw a clear gap in the travel industry where the needs and the interests of female travelers are not being properly addressed, and the stories of women are are not necessarily being highlighted. So we started Unearth Women um, with the desire to champion women's stories and really speak out um, about women's issues the world over that are often overlooked by the mainstream media. That's why we're sharing our stories and sharing the stories of other women who are traveling uh, because we believe that visibility leads to normalcy and normalcy leads to inclusivity. So if, if we can champion and highlight and acknowledge that, you know, not every, like not the average traveler is not a male who's just graduated from college and is out backpacking in Europe, but rather, you know, a a woman in her late to late thirties, early forties traveling by herself um, I think we can really s- change the conversation around what travel is, what it means, who it appeals to, and um, who whose stories we are highlighting and and showing is valid. Well, what are some of your favorite stories that you've uncovered? So it's kind of hard because, you know, thinking about a question like that, looking at all the different content that we have, um, there are just so many phenomenal and impactful, inspiring and empowering stories of women out there. And often I feel like you don't have to look very hard to find real gems. Um, but from what we currently have on our website, unearthwomen.com, um, there's a photo essay about the Rohingya crisis and, um, the Muslim women who are living in the refugee camps, and how the, while that story had sort of been passed over, it, it was um, it was sort of passed over by the mainstream media once once the news broke and then we went back and took a look at what's happening to women in these camps and how um, religion and gender play a, and economic um, economic disparity i guess pl- plays a role for these women and it's a beautiful essay and it's and it's heartbreaking. Um, But it's such an important story to tell because you're able to go back and say, like, once the headline is done, there's still real people back there. And how do we connect with them? How do we help them? And how do we share their stories? Um, So that's one that I was particularly enamored with. Another is um, the Black Mambas, and it's an all-female anti-poaching unit in South in South Africa and what's phenomenal about these women is one that it said it's all women and then two they don't carry guns with them so they are they're keeping poachers at bay successfully without the use of guns um and that that's a really really wonderful story. Now on your site, you have a women to watch page. How do you find them? Sure. Um, so it's kind of a two way street. Sometimes we run into certain women, um, with phenomenal stories and the women's travel community is relatively small. Um, so, and people are always wanting to share each other's stories. So we hear all the time, Oh, you should talk to so-and-so about this thing, or you should really reach out to this person because they have great contacts. Um, so that's one way, that's one directional way that we get information about women who are out there doing, uh, really interesting things. And then also we have a lot of freelancers and staff writers and they'll pitch us stories, um, for us to come up with. And again, as I said before, there, there are so many stories out there that really you don't have to look very far, um, so we kind of ask ourselves: Is it interesting? Is it enlightening or inspiring? And if it meets those criteria, then then we're interested. Um, we tend to gravitate towards women who are combating the isms um, or empowering other women. Well,
1: I'm guilty. I actually use your site to look for great interviews for our podcast.
6: <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's exactly what we're looking for, right? Is for us to be able to highlight these stories that are not being covered anywhere else, and they are so interesting and so empowering. And it's like when you have all these different examples of women helping other women, you know, it's, it's infectious. It's, it's so exciting. And there isn't a day that I wake up and I'm not so grateful to be working on this project because It's just the best thing. Okay. How do you access your page and how would you like people to use it? Uh, So you can go to unearthwomen.com and it is our digital publication that is um, updated with, populated with news stories all the time. Um, And then from there, you can also find our print publication uh, also of the same title, Unearth Women. And it's perfect for anyone who's looking for city guides that are kind of off the beaten path, stories of um, women that you wouldn't see in the mainstream media. And a new section that we just launched is Brave New Eats, which focuses on the culinary world and, um, the women who are, who are doing great things there. So I just would encourage anyone to go to unearthwomen.com and poke around, um, and, you know, really, really get to know women in the travel sphere, because the only way that we're going to get a seat at the table is by working together.
1: All right. As we wrap up, let's touch on something Elise said at the very start of our chat. Visibility leads to normalcy, and normalcy leads to inclusivity. So if we can champion and highlight and acknowledge the average traveller is not a male who's just graduated from college, but rather a woman travelling by herself, we can really change the conversation around what travel is. So let's go to our World Nomads team for their interpretation of that.
7: Hi, my name's Ellen, and I am an editorial producer with uh, in the North America office of World Nomads. And one of the things I do for World Nomads is head up our stories section. These are first-hand narratives about travel experiences, um, they really get to the heart of why we travel, um, the motivations behind it, and what we learn. Um, and we have, uh, I think we've had about about 50 contributors uh, provide stories for us so far, and over half of them are women. And that's not because I'm seeking out any particular number of, of contributors, it's just that there are lots of women out there who travel and have great stories to tell. And these are women. They're often traveling solo. Um, they're pushing their boundaries. They're, um, you know, facing their fears. Sometimes they're, um, you know, making connections. And, and one of the things about solo travel, whether you're a woman or a man, is it does help you um, break out of your your zone of, uh, you know, you're traveling. If you're traveling with, you know, a friend, or you're going to maybe talk to, to each other. But when you're traveling alone, you're by nature going to have more personal encounters. So um, the fact. Or that if there is a perception that you know that the backpackers you know, are all male and twenty five and that's the only people that are traveling that's that's absolutely not true um, If you know some of the stories are you know women in their twenties or women in their sixties or I- anywhere in between, and they're um, you know sometimes going places that like Morocco or India. Or on a long road trip by themselves. That um, yeah, maybe they're a little nervous to do it, but but it's it's you know that's, that's how you grow, and that's part of the beauty of travel. Is it really helps you, um, you know, gain more independence. We have a lot of uh, articles on the site that about uh, solo travel, in particular for women, because we do want uh, people to women to feel. Um, comfortable and and inspired and empowered to travel uh, wherever wherever in the world and and you know of course to do it safely and you know make. Um but not to feel like that they're limited in in their ability to travel and see the world.
8: I'm Millie, an editorial producer for the Explore section of World Nomads, and um, I commission, uh, I'd like to say, hundreds of writers a year. And I find that statement really interesting because a vast majority of the writers that pitch articles to us are women. And I often find it really difficult to find male writers. So hearing that people still believe the average male traveller I mean, sorry, the average traveller is a male. It, it baffles me. But then again, maybe the male writing pictures have been lost um, or maybe they just aren't that into travel writing. Could it be a male-female
1: thing? You know, females like to overthink things sometimes. We like to document everything. We're the ones that put the, you know, photo books together. <laughs> could it be that men just can't be bothered? It could be, and I... I would love
8: to look into that further, Um, maybe males more into photography or videography or something. I'm not too sure, but I genuinely do find so many more article pictures coming from women than I do men.
0: Ali, um, your role here at World Nomads? I look after travel safety, so effectively I'm trying to make sure people have a safe and fun time without injuring or killing themselves and need to claim on travel insurance.
1: (laughs) Now, we talked at the top of the podcast about the fact that World Nomads has a category that is women in travel, and you write a lot for that category. Sh- should we not be having a category for
0: travelling as a male? I think it's, this is with women's safety, like women travelling the world, women actually have different concerns when it comes to their own safety um, than men for example uh women can be traveling on public transport like a bus or a train in a country uh they can be catcalled they can be harassed like basically in some countries around the world it's still very patriarchal and or conservative and some countries have a very um platitude to women unfortunately still and there are also some countries where w- women's rights are pretty much minimal. Basically it boils down to common sense and you know it's if you're going out and having a night out and you know maybe you are a solo traveler or maybe you're traveling with friends regardless of what's going on you know use use your brain you know don't get too tanked to the point where you can't remember where your hostel or your hotel is and you can't get home and you potentially could end up in it. you know a bad situation where, you know, in some cases where it's been reported in. in- places like Thailand and other places around the world people have ended up dead in worst case scenarios a lot of the time unfortunately they usually just get fleeced of their belongings and then they wake up the next morning wondering what happens regardless of whatever age you are whether you're male or female just yeah you know look after you and take some personal responsibility for your own safety because unfortunately there are people out there who will take advantage of you but at the end of the day as well not everybody out there who's in another country around the world is out there to get you
1: Millie if there are blokes listening and they would like to pitch you a Story, how do they contact you? How about they get in touch with you at podcasts at worldnomads.com? Yeah, thanks for that. I'll shoot it across. Just give me a little bit more work to do, girls. Thanks for that.
8: Oh, I've got know. one more thing that I thought I'd say. When I spoke to Mark yesterday and I told him the statement um, about everyone believing the average traveler is a male who's just graduated from college, um, he looked at me and he said, What the hell are you kidding me? Remember how many solo women we saw traveling around South America? The dudes weren't doing that. Come to think of it, I met so many more solo female travellers than I did men. I don't know if that's because men travel in groups or maybe I just didn't meet all of the solo travellers, but it does seem like it's a big trend now and I think that's a really cool thing because women are now out there you know, hiking solo in the Himalayas and climbing mountains with groups of macho men and catching dodgy trains and buses across India by themselves. And nobody thought that women would be doing that now, you know, back in the 70s, 80s and 90s. So those stats are adding up despite the perception. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to see now that women are just getting out there and traveling. Um, but as Ali said, you've just gotta pack your brain.
0: A couple of other important things too. Like, um, for instance, you can travel to some countries around the world and the police have got a really poor attitude towards, you know, basically taking a report from someone who's been subjected to a crime, e.g. women, um, and often there will be victim blaming. So rather than actually asking, you know, the woman, oh, what happened, you know, and actually dealing with the root cause, so, you know, encouraging a change in societal culture or attitudes, they often will say that one little golden line, what were you doing alone? Minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And more often than not, there's, there, it's just been a case where the woman has been minding her own business, walking down the street, and some person has just felt the need to reach out and grope them. And as I said before, it's, it's not a perfect world. We do have to, you know, pack your brain some places you do have to dress conservatively um you know be smart don't tell people where you're staying don't talk about what you're doing and that sort of thing and you know be mindful the other issue is that some women of other, even of other colors and also of other sexualities are experiencing even different concerns to you know the average straight white woman i mean there's young african women traveling into asia who are looked down upon and not even answered or treated like crap because they're african and unfortunately there's that stereotype where they're african they're inferior they're you know it's the whole slave they're still slave mentality and that's wrong and it shouldn't be happening but in saying that it also happens in other countries as well
1: thank you girls really appreciate your input and hope you enjoy the episode thanks kim Thanks, again. Well, that wraps up our episode exploring women in travel. And please, if you've got any feedback or experiences that you've had that you'd like to share with us, email podcast at worldnomads.com.au.
2: Uh, you can get the World Nomads podcast on iTunes or download the Google Podcast app. Make sure you subscribe. And as Kim said, if you have any feedback, please do get in touch.
1: Yeah, negative or positive?
2: Uh, we'd love to hear it all. might ignore the negative stuff. <laughs> We'll just talk about you behind your back.
1: (laughs) Isn't he awful, girls? Oh, and boys listening. Next week we feature an amazing nomad, environmentalist Bob Brown. Wow. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.